the book of chapter 9, verse 1 says, and, uh, all right, well, let's read together. Listen, I want you to listen as you're reading. Can you do that? While you're reading, listen to what you're reading, because this is some powerful text that you're getting ready to read. It's it's spectacular if you listen to what you're reading this morning. Let's read together Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Let's read. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogue, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And the, with and the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into thy city, and and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus. And he was days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And he But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hand on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou comest, had sent me that thou mayest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Last verse. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he was the Son of God. It's a whole lot of stuff right there. That's a whole lot of stuff right there. Father, we need you. Have your way in this place this morning. We pray for the power of God to manifest. 
and the power of God to speak and the power of God to do great things in this house. Lord, let us not leave this place bound. Let us not leave this place, Lord God, without a touch from you. Let us not leave this place, Lord God, without a moving of the Holy Ghost. Fill somebody with your spirit. Baptize somebody in Jesus' name. Deliver somebody today. Get somebody on the straight and narrow today. Get somebody to be steadfast, unmovable, unshakable. Get somebody in this place, Lord God, to recommit their life. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us today and that your will may be done in our heart and our mind and our soul today. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. We ask you, Lord God, all of these things in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ. Can everyone say amen? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today, I want to talk to you on this topic. You are a chosen vessel of God. You are a chosen vessel of God. Tell your neighbor, you are a chosen vessel of God. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you are a chosen vessel of God. That's what you need to know. You are a chosen vessel of God. When we read the last verse, it says here, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the son of God. Can I tell you before I get into the main theme of you are a vessel, a chosen vessel of God, can I tell you that in this end time, in this final hour, in the days that we're living in, what's going to help you get through where you are and get you to heaven is understand who is Jesus Christ. There is so many things that are going on and so many challenges, so many our minds, the devil is planting thoughts and working in our heart and working our mind to get us off the beaten path. But I want to tell you today what's going to shore up your walk, what's going to get you to be steadfast, what's going to get you to say, I know what I know and I won't deviate, is when you come to the true and pure knowledge of who Jesus Christ really is. I want to tell you today that Christianity and, and, and following after Jesus is predicated on the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If we don't truly get an understanding of who he is, we will get to a place where we will start asking questions, where what you thought you believed, you will begin to question it, where you will have doubt about some things because you failed to hold on to who is this man called Jesus. When Paul got converted and everything went his way and he did everything that he needed to do the very first thing he did after he learned was go and preached about Jesus that he is the son of God why was it so important that the first thing he did was preached about Jesus Paul is a great example to follow and today we need to know that we know we talked about in our adult Sunday school class this morning 
that you hear people say a lot of times that Jesus is the Son of God, that God sent forth his Son. And you hear that all the time, but I don't want you to misunderstand. I don't want you to not know that when the Bible says God sent forth his Son, he didn't send, he didn't create some little son and and sent him down to heaven. He didn't stay in heaven and then did some magic thing to get a son to be born out of Mary while he sit in heaven. God cannot be God and send somebody else to do the work that he is supposed to do. The Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. And it wouldn't be fair for God to create the heavens and the earth and people and then created something to go die for the people. What God did was he came himself as a son to die for his people that he created. You see, every man except for Adam and Eve, every man and every woman that walked this earth was the son or a daughter of somebody. So no way could Jesus come to this world legally and not be called the son. So when you hear the Son of God is still talking about God, but he just take on that, 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 uh, 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 what's the proper word when you said take on that title, Son? Doesn't mean that he wasn't still God. It just means the title Son is just what it is, a title. He still was God. And so God came in the flesh. If you can understand that principle and that concept that almighty God that created from the very beginning the heavens, the earth, the trees, the animals, and then he created Adam and Eve, and he did it as an invisible being. That's what he did. But when man went astray, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, is pivotal, pivotal scripture for us to always remember. When Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord said that he was going to use a man to defeat the enemy. So if you look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, I got to go there just because I, I, I just feel strongly. God has put into my heart that if we're going to make it in this last day, we're going to have to know who he is. We're going to have to understand who our God is if we're going to make it. And so Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So it says, the scripture says, that God said here to the serpent, And I will put enmity between the serpent, the devil, and the woman, the seed of the woman. And so Jesus is the seed of the woman. So he told us that he was going to come, that he was going to do great and mighty things, because it was the man that Satan used the, 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 the serpent to deceive. And if a man got deceived, it was going to have to be a man to restore back what the man got deceived about. If, if God would have somehow tussled with the devil and snatched back the authority that he gave man, that, that would have been unfair. 
because it was a man that got tricked. It was a man that disobeyed God. It was a man that was supposed to have dominion and rule and did not do it. So God says, you know what? Devil, you got the man. There's going to be another man coming from a woman, just coming from a woman. It will be a man that will come and that man will defeat you. Jesus Christ is the almighty God that manifests himself in flesh. It doesn't matter how you read it, son of God. Doesn't matter how you read it. He's still God in the flesh. Once you grab a hold of that concept and you start reading the Bible and there's some things, you say, well, how can he pray? If he, why should he pray if he was God? And what he is letting us know that as a son, I have to do the things that sons do. We wanted him to come down. We kind of being like the Jews. Mm, that's a revelation right there. We criticized the Jews for not believing that the Messiah had come. And, and, and here is what we're doing. We, as the people of God, are still, we, we still wanted him to be a certain way, just like the Jews. They only denied him because he didn't come the way they wanted him to come. And there's people today that has not accepted that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh because he didn't do it the way they wanted him to do it. So we still had that mentality as the Jews did, which is, well, he's the son of God. He's the second person in the Trinity because we didn't, he didn't do it the way we wanted him to do it. But what he want to do is what he's going to do, not what we think he should do. And so he is not a second person. Jesus is not the second person in the Trinity. Jesus is the almighty God. We've we got to make sure that's clear, because if that's clear, it clears up a lot of questions you're going to have in your mind now. See, that's why God wants us to get that, because now it clears up, because all the questions that you will have to say, well, how come? Well, stop right there. How come? How come what? Because the first thing is the greatest thing that I could ever think of is the invisible, almighty, all-knowing, sovereign God that created everything by speaking. All of a sudden now, he's going to get impregnated in a virgin woman, and he did not need the man, and he went through the whole process of, 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 of you know, conception and gestation, and now being produced, you know, being born like a baby and grow up and, and being a teenager and everything like that. You're telling me the almighty God did that yes he did so if he did that what can't he do so so if he did that we don't have to question anything else and that's why we need to get a revelation we need to get the understanding of who he is because once we know who he is you don't question anything else but if you're still struggling with who, with who he is, then you're going to say, that's why nowadays I'm, I've, I've changed over the years. I've, I've evolved over the years as a Christian. When I talk to people now, the first thing I try to get them to know is who Jesus is. I never used to do that before. Because I realize when I tell them who Jesus is, they got one or two things to do. Either they're going to understand it, believe it, or just reject it. It makes my life easier anyway. Because if I tell you that Jesus is God and you don't want to believe it, I know you're lost. You can't get saved. Now you're wondering why, 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 why how can, hmm. now you're wondering why 
brilliant men of God that teach seminary schools, that, that have a doctrine in this kind of religious uh, teaching and that kind of, you're wondering why they don't have this understanding. Because until they find out who Jesus is, people question, well, why you got to have the Holy Ghost and talk in tongues? And why this? When you know who Jesus is, then you will understand. But if you don't know who Jesus is, then you're going to question, why you got to get baptized anyway? Why you got to get the Holy Ghost and talk in tongues? You've got all these whys when you don't know who he is. But once you know Jesus is the invisible God made visible, then you'll say, I understand. He's specific. He knows what he wants. Jesus was what Paul preached after he got fully transformed, after he got fully converted. But I want to talk to you today about you being a chosen vessel of God. You being a chosen vessel of God. What in your life is bigger than you? How you've been, how, what in your life, when you look at your life, when you look at it, what in your life and how you live your life is bigger than you? All of us, most of us live our life for what we want. All of us, most of us live our life because it's just what you're supposed to do while you are on earth. And you never get involved with anything bigger than you. You just keep on doing what you've always done. And what's going to happen, Stanley, when you keep on doing what you always do? All right. See, I keep him on his toes. I know he's going to say, I got to listen now. He, 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 he messed me up. <laughs> but we can't just go through the motions of life because what's going to happen is life will dictate and control your life. The Lord put a lot of things in my heart about this. One of the things that he put in my heart is the Bible says you can end up being a chaff in the wind. And what a chaff in the wind means is you're just a light piece of just something that doesn't matter. And when the wind blow, the, the wind have control of the chaff. So when the wind is blowing, that piece of paper, that piece of cotton or whatever it is, is blowing all over the place. And wherever the wind blows it, that's where it goes. And most of us are living life being controlled by what the world is doing. We're like chaffed in the wind. We're like the world is just doing what it wants. And we're just going wherever it takes us. And we don't even realize it. God told me to tell this church that we must begin to live life on purpose for him. Because if you don't live life on purpose for Jesus, you're going to end up just by default living for this world. There is no in-between. You can't decide that, you know what, I'm just not doing it that way and think that the way you're doing it is going to prevail. You have to live life on purpose for Jesus. This morning we talked about in our Sunday school class, listen, there is no alternative. If you don't live for God, you're not going to heaven. If you think that that's an, an, an alternative, you're crazy because I don't think that's an alternative. Heaven is the only alternative. There is no other alternative. But if by default 
You allow yourself to be a chaff in the wind. If by default you allow yourself to be a wave at the seashore, being tossed to and fro, being controlled by every wave of this life, if you allow yourself to do that, by default, heaven will not be your home. And God wants us to live for him on purpose. What are you doing? How are you living that proved to be bigger than who you are? It's good for us to live for our spouse, to live for our children, to do right by them. It's good for us if we can perform research and invent things that, that such things that will help us to cure diseases such as cancer and AIDS. It's good for us to become a politician and do things that will better our, our communities and our country. It's good for us to be doctors and nurses and lawyers and, 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 and become law enforcement officers and social workers and garbage men. Amen. And, and, and it's good for us to build bridges and be plumbers and electricians. All of those things I'm naming to you, it helps to move life along. It helps to move society along. If we don't become th- those kind of things, uh, it's, it's, it's all right. But those are good things that we need to strive for in our life. But I'm telling you, those things are still not bigger than who you are. The scripture says, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word shall not pass away. So the word of God is bigger than you. The word of God will outlast you, outlive you. And so you want to make sure it's the word of God that I'm holding on to. I need something that's bigger than me. That's why when we live our life and we say, this is just how I see it or how I feel, let's get this out of the way. All of us feel and, and, and have some kind of emotion about things, and it's okay. That's how God created us. But at the end of the day, we got to stop and say, but what does God say? We got to know that. What does God say? And that's what's going to spark how we live our life on purpose, how we're going to live for God on purpose. If we're going to live this life just to get ahead, if we're going to live this life just to do the necessities of this world and this life to get ahead and to take care of our family and to earn a living and to own businesses, we can do all of that. But if it's not something that's going to live beyond you, it's all for naught. Because at some point in time, heaven and earth shall pass away. And the only thing that will be standing is the word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away. So it's important for me and you to understand that we must begin to say, what I'm doing, is it bigger than me? Is it going to be outside of me? Is it going to outlive me? Can I even tell you this? It's good to raise up your children in church and to teach them the right thing. But where's the guarantee that they're going to live right? Where's the guarantee? All of us would like to see our children become sweet children of God, love the Lord, live right, do something great for the Lord, knowing they heaven bound. All of us want to see that for our children. But can you guarantee that? Can you guarantee that? So even that is telling you, hmm, 
I, I, I need to I, I need to figure out what, what what is bigger than me that I'm doing. I, I need to figure out what this thing is that's bigger than me. I, I can't just live just for me. I can't just live for the necessities of this life. I need to live for Jesus Christ on purpose. I, I can't just I can't just go with the flow. I can't go with the flow. I, I got to tell you this, and this might have been at the end of part of my lesson, but I'm going to throw it in even now and throw it in then. Ask yourself, outside of church, how much time are you spending with Jesus? How much time are you spending with Jesus outside of church? Because the least amount of time, I don't know, all right, let me say for me. Because I guess I'm not the creator, so I can't say this for everybody. This is how I am. The more of something that I get that I like, the more of it that I want. Is, am I by myself? Okay, there's some other people like that. Right? And the less of something that I get, the less that I want. Because if it's less, then it means that it must not be important to me. And so the least of it is, I'm good. So if it's, if it's something that I'm not fancying or it's not something that's important to me, it's just no big deal. So the least I get is the least I want. But something that's important to me, the more of it I get, the more of it I want. I'm always wanting more. Can I get more of that? Can I get more? Because I like that. And if we really love the Lord and we really want to have right relationship with him, how much time are we putting in? Because if we put in a lot of time, we're going to always want him. But if we don't put in a lot of time, the, 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 the things of this world is going to want us, going to make us want less of him. The other day when I went to Jamaica, I tried to skip church. You know, I'm just trying to be honest. Right? Went to a funeral. There Thursday, left Monday, and in my mind, well, why I got to go to church on Sunday? I'm always going to church. I'm always teaching God's word. I'm always trying to pray and read the Bible. I can skip. I couldn't even do it. I, I couldn't even do it. It wasn't even, so, it wasn't even like I said it in my mind, like, uh, I'm just going to chill and sleep in. Mm-mm. Talk to my aunt. Say, listen, where's the closest apostolic church around here? And she happened to know the preacher. <laughs> I said, all right, well, we're going to go to church. What time does church start? And church started at 11 o'clock. And we went to church. I, I can't help it. I really wish I could have chilled. But it's just not in me. Because the more of him I have, the more of him I want. And I believe that if we get a lot of him, we will want a lot more of him. God is good. We say it all the time. God is good all the time. Well, if he's good all the time, don't you want a whole lot of him? If you like seafood and you get a whole lot, don't you want a whole lot more of it? I don't understand. That it seems like it's, it's only with God that he's good, but we don't want a whole lot more of it. Everything else is good, and we want a whole lot more of it. How does that work? We need to ask ourselves that question. Why don't we want more of God? How much time are we putting in outside of coming to church? When, we, when we're not in church, how much time we give God? Listen, we need to read every day his word. We need to pray every day. But just think, how much time is that? 
20 minutes, half hour. A faith, what we would call a faithful person to God. Here is a faithful person, what we would call a faithful person to God. Get up in the morning. You pray. You read your Bible. You go do what you do, school, work, whatever it is. You come home. You eat dinner, mess around with the kids, whatever you're doing. You go to bed before you go to bed. Lord, I thank you for this day. Love you. Watch over me. Wake me up in the right mind tomorrow morning. Amen. That was the day. What was that? Half hour at best, 35 minutes at best. We do the same thing on Tuesday. We do the same thing on Wednesday. We do the same thing on Thursday, but we come to church for about an hour. Friday, we don't do none of it. Saturday, we don't do none of it. Sunday, we come to church. Check all of that out and see how much time you gave to the Lord. But we love him, and God is good. I'm not discounting life. I know life happens. I know we must work. I know all the things. But can I be honest with you? Before cell phones and social media, we weren't as busy. So what what, what really has made us busy is cell phones, social media, and things are moving so much more faster that now we're caught up in those things and they're slowing us down from doing the things of God. Do you know that we can really actually live and get by without social media and cell phones and emails and all? Do you know we can really get by without that? Yeah, I know only got two or three or two and a half amens because we don't want to let it go. But we really can get by with it if we really want to. Again, it's a choice. God has given you that, that choice. You can get by with it or you can just keep on wanting to have it. Those are some of the things that we, we, we got to do. You know, we talk about fasting. Fast from your cell phone. I'm going to fast on my phone tomorrow, Nicola. Call me at my desk. I'll try to sit at my desk a whole lot tomorrow. But I'm just talking about we have become more busier than we've ever been. And I think it's only because of social media. We can really do without it. God, help us. Help us that we start to put more time in with you. Help us that we begin to live life on purpose. When, when, when you encounter people during the daytime, do you think about why you're encountering people? Are you thinking, the Bible says, let your light so shine before God that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When you encounter people during the day, are you thinking, this is an opportunity for God to work through me? Or are you just like, whatever, I'm in work mode right now and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do for work. I ain't thinking about Jesus. I ain't thinking about people. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to. Are we doing that? Or we're saying, "Mm, let my light shine. Living on purpose for Jesus. You are a chosen vessel of God. Look at Paul's conversion. Acts chapter 9, verse 4 says, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? 
And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord says, I love that scripture. Why didn't the Lord say, It is God? Brother Barry, you know why? Paul was a faithful Jew. Well, Saul was a faithful Jew. He was living his life according to the the, the Pharisees' way of doing things, the, the, the old way of doing things. And so he was persecuting the quote-unquote new way of Christianity. He was persecuting people for believing in Jesus Christ. Who is that Jesus? No, we, we believe in the God of Moses. We believe in the God of Abraham. This Jesus thing? No, we're going to persecute everybody that talk about Jesus. And so he got tackled going to Damascus to go and arrest Christians and bring them back for persecution in Jerusalem. He was on his way to Damascus, and the Lord met him and shined a light on him. And then he fell to the earth and says, Who art thou, Lord? And God, with a sense of humor, says, It's Jesus. That one you persecuting? That one you're talking about, that ain't real, that ain't the real way, that's not, that's not the way you follow. That one you're talking about that wasn't right, it's that one right now that's coming against you for coming against his people. He didn't say it was God. He wanted them to know exactly the one whom your people persecuted, the one whom took the beating for your 39 stripes, the one who you said wasn't the real God and you stoned and tried to come against. It is that Jesus that now have you on this earth. Will you now listen and be sure that I am the almighty God? He didn't tell him it was God. No. He said it's Jesus. He wanted him to know who he was, his identity. Hear me. Jesus is the name of our God. So understand when you're talking and we say, God, that's fine. But then when you want to get personal, you say, well, Jesus, that's my God. Jesus, that's my God. That's how you know. This is your, this is really what it is. He said, it's Jesus whom thou persecutest. You know what I love about this? Here is relationship. When we do each other wrong, Jesus got a problem with you. Uh, uh, uh. I'm taking my time today because this is what the Lord wants. He said, it is Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now think about this. Paul wasn't persecuting Jesus. Jesus was, he had ascended back to heaven. So when Paul was persecuting the people, Jesus took it personally, you're persecuting me. So if I give you a hard time, I'm persecuting Jesus. If I give you a hard time, I'm persecuting Jesus. Now that's a wake-up call for all of us to say, I've got to figure this thing out and, give, and, 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 and have right relationship with everybody because everybody I give a hard time to, the Lord takes it personal. He said, that, that's my people you're doing this against. When you persecute my people, you actually persecute me. He took it personal. Well, 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 hold on. Think about this. It seems deep, but think about this. You that have children are, and are good parents and love your children, tell me somebody do something to your child how you're going to act. 
this is not this is not like something kind of strange. Let somebody do something to your child that you love so much. What do you think you will do? That's you. They came from you. We came from Jesus. He took it personal. He said, it is Jesus. Then he said, it's hard for thee to kick against the prick. Let me tell you this, the first thing, before I get to that part here. If we're going to be saved and we're going to live for God, the very first thing that must happen in our life is for us to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. I realize that a lot of people have fell by the wayside. A lot of people backslide. A lot of people lose hope. A lot of people start not believing anymore because they never got introduced or had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Somebody told them that they need to get baptized, and they did. Somebody told them they need to get the Holy Ghost, and they did. Somebody told them they need to go to church, and they did. Somebody told them they need to read the Bible, and they did. Somebody told them they need to pray, and they did. But they never had an encounter and experience with Jesus. So when the going got tough, they just started backing up. They started just doing things that, 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 that they knew how to do in their flesh because they did not know who Jesus is. My brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that the best thing that you can ever do is to come to the full knowledge of who Jesus is. Because even when you have bad days, even when you sin and you fall short, you realize, I need him. I can't do without him. He is the source of my strength. It is him that made me and not me myself. I need him to keep me going. I need him to sustain me. I know who he is. The things that he went through for me is just unbelievable. He loved me so much that he came out of heaven and came down here and died for my sins. He loved me so much that even while I was a sinner, he still loved me. I know who he is. If we ever get that part first before all the other things come into play, we probably will not struggle or we probably will not fall out of the church. We probably will not give up on God if we ever got the revelation, if we ever had an encounter with him. It is that what will keep us. Tradition says we tell people what to do and they just do it. Can I tell you this? One of the challenging things for pastors today, especially those that's been pastoring for a while, back in the day, people was just so respectful that if a pastor says, do this, they just did it. They didn't question it. They didn't say, well, I don't know. They just, he was an authority figure. He's a man of God. Let's just do it. And that's how church was for years. And now a generation has raised up and even some of us that is not a part of that generation has taken on that spirit because of social media and because of all the different things that's going on to say, well, hold on now. I hear you what you're saying, but I need to understand this. And if we can't explain it, if we can't explain it to people so they can understand They don't want to hear it. And so no longer can a pastor just just get before people and say, you need to do this. 
You need to do that. You notice what I do. I try to get you the word of God. I try to, I try to get you to understand what Jesus said because I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to what the word of God says. Because I can't tell you what to do. I don't want to tell you what to do. People are suing preachers left to right because preachers are telling them, you need to do this. I'm good. Because I learned not long ago that if you're not listening to Jesus, you ain't going to listen to me. <laughs> so so I'd rather leave the responsibility on Jesus than on myself. So if i got to tell you something, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, not what I think. And even when I tell you what I think, I'm going to say, but it's up to you. It's your situation, and you got to deal with it. Because it's Jesus that we need to listen to. It's Jesus that we need to obey and to follow. We need to know who he is. So the very first thing that needs to happen in your life as a Christian person, and as you try to talk to somebody about the Lord, is they need to know who Jesus is. That's the very first thing. The second thing, it says, it's hard for thee to kick against the prick. You know what that means? It means that they're, 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 you're kicking against a pointy object or, or, or just objects that have points on it. And if you kick against those things, who getting hurt? You getting hurt. So if you kick against the prick, only you get hurt. You can't hurt the pricks. So when you do that, so, so what God is telling us is, you ready for this one? When we don't obey him and we rebel against him, we're only hurting ourselves. <laughs> when Paul was persecuting Christians, when Paul was doing whatever he wants, uh, getting lettered to go to Damascus to persecute people of that way, that's what the word says, he was getting letters to go to persecute them, and God stopped them and says, all you're doing, boy, is hurting yourself. When we don't obey God, all we're doing is hurting ourselves, and all we're doing is going lower and lower and deeper and deeper, and sooner or later, we'll be in trouble, and we will go to a place that wasn't created for us. It don't make sense to disobey God. You're kicking against the pricks when you try to disobey God. So God wants us to know he was kicking against the prick. Paul's conversion consisted of him getting a revelation of who God is. You can be here today and been baptized in Jesus' name, have the Holy Ghost, but if you have not gotten a revelation, an encounter with the Lord, you need to go to God for that each and every time. I know I've explained it many times, but if you still need to get it for yourself, because I remember when I first got saved and God gave me that revelation, I explained it to some people and they still didn't get it. You need to get it for yourself. You need to go to God and get your own encounter. I can explain this all day of my life, but one of the problems that we have is our prejudice that's built in inside of us prevent us sometimes from getting truth. So if, if there's some things in your life that hadn't been released from you that will prevent you from, from getting this truth, then you got to go and say, God, purge me and cleanse me so nothing will hinder me from knowing who you are or from receiving an encounter with you. We need an encounter with God. When you get an encounter with God, no matter what happens in your life, I'm telling you, my I'm, I'm telling you that whatever happened in your life, you can get up and keep on going. You know, they like to say the scripture says that 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 that, that, that uh, 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 a man 
of God, and I'm not quoting it wrong, the fall seven times, a righteous man falls seven times and get back up. Now, I don't use it as an excuse, but what it's telling us is because you know who Jesus is, you keep getting back up and keep on getting back on track and keep on going because you know who Jesus is. If you don't know who he is, maybe the second and the third time, you're not getting back up. That's what it means. And many people quote it just to use it as an excuse to keep on doing wrong. That's not what it's there for. You know who the Lord is, and when you mess up, you're going to fight to get back up. You're going to fight to get back in right relationship with him. You're going to fight to do right because you know who he is, and he's good to you and better to you than you can ever be to yourself. you got to fight to get a relationship with him. you got to fight to hold on to him. you got to fight to get back up. you got to live for him on purpose. Just coming to church, coming to Bible study doing your little thing, is that on purpose? Or is it that I'm connected with some people that I like to see sometimes and it's a good thing to do this? Yeah, many people come to church. Can I tell you this? If you're in a church, I realize this. And when I say things, please, not directing it to nobody, no church. I'm just telling you things that I've learned. People that goes to church and let's say, I, 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 used to, um, I used to give in my mind, in my mind, never said it out loud, would give a pastor a hard time in my mind if I think that, Man, you know, this pastor is doing wrong and he's not right and people s- stays in the church and, you know, that's just a shame. Those people are in the church and the pastor's not doing right and he's leading them wrong and blah, blah, blah. In my mind, I would think that. And then God woke me up to something. That we're so selfish and like to do our own thing that Brother Clark here is out work. You can be in a congregation and things are not right, not going right, and you still stay and just keep going. And the only reason why you still stay and keep going is because you're selfish. Ain't got nothing to do with the pastor. We don't like to change our routine. We don't like to change how we do things. And so if I like to go right here at Christ-centered church, let me use me so y'all know I'm not directing this to anybody. So if you like to come here because you just live up the road and it's like a good thing for you and I, and I start doing wrong and you see things ain't right, it's like, I don't know about that, but you keep on coming. You know why you keep on coming? You keep coming because you just live up the road and you like to just come right here. It's convenience. It's, it's good for you and so you don't want to go. And so many times we want to look about and say, oh, man, that pastor messing up and the people still there. No, the people still there because they want to be there because we like to do what we like to do we like to do what we like to do we like to be comfortable at all times and God is trying to get us to put our focus on him and what he wants and what he is doing and we keep on doing what feels comfortable to us it's not about your comfort. It's about what God is doing and what God has commanded you. And we must live for God on purpose because what God is saying, uh, God is trying to get us and help me to help y'all to realize he is ready to take you to the next level. He wants to take this people and this church to the next level. He said, get your focus back on me. Uh, it is 
hard, I know sometimes, and challenging with all that's going on, but he's ready to take you to the next level. He's saying, get your focus on me and stop being distracted because I'm your God and I will lead you. I will be the one to keep you, uphold you, sustain you. You can't go wrong when you keep your eyes on me. That's what he's looking for. He is ready to take you to the next level. He says, don't be distracted, but you got to live for me on purpose. You got to look at life and say, what is the purpose of God? What is the purpose of God? Not what you want to do, but what is God's purpose? We need to trust God. One of the things that you notice about Paul, when God arrested him, Paul says, what would you do? What would you have me to do, Lord? When you get a revelation, if you go back and read the text, this is all in order. When you get a revelation of who God is, that will be your response. What will you have me to do, Lord? When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost that you crucified Jesus, who was Lord, the the people said, what shall we do? When you get a revelation of who Jesus is, you see what I mean, how important it is to know who Jesus is? Because when you find out, you are just going to say, oh, snap, what do I need to do? It changes your thinking. It messes up your whole way of seeing things because now you know, oh, Lord, what do I need to do? It's important to get a revelation of who he is. The revelation of Jesus is what's keeping people from getting right. When, you, when the scripture says, what will you have me to do? You know what Paul was saying? That was straight repentance, Sister Phil. Straight repentance. When you say, what will you have me to do? What it's saying is, I'm ready to stop doing what I want and do what you want. That's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, I've been persecuting your people. I've been doing them wrong. But now that I've gotten a revelation of who you are, because you identified yourself to me as Jesus, now i got to stop doing me and start doing you. But if you never get the revelation, then you just keep on doing you, what you want. When Paul said, what will you have me to do? He renounced the way of self and of the world and was ready to follow the ways of Christ. Are you ready to renounce the ways of self, the ways of this world, and follow the ways of Christ? I'm not talking about just coming to church. I'm not talking about coming to Bible study. When you renounce the ways of yourself and begin to reach to Christ and follow the ways of Christ, everything changes. Getting out of the house in the morning, that changed. My, my mom always teased me about this, and it's true. You can tease me about it. There's some things in life that I usually won't take serious. Won't go overboard to be on time. But this, when the purpose of God shows up, when the things of God call, oh, I don't take that lightly. I'm on time. I'm on my game. I'm ready to go. Because this is not like everything else. Everything else is different from this. This is in a complete, total, different category. 
this is different from everything else. I do this on purpose. This is not a mistake. This is not something I just do. I do this on purpose. I wake up on purpose about this. How many times I got to tell you, and I'm closing. How many times I got to tell you that waking up every day you wake up is for two reasons, and that's it. What's the two reasons? The two reasons you wake up every day is to get a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and to help Jesus with his mission. Those are two reasons you get up every day. That's his reason for waking you up every day. When you wake up every day, by the grace of God, he woke you up for one or two or both reasons. For you to get your relationship closer with him, to get a better relationship, and to help him with the mission of reaching lost souls. That's it. That's what he wakes you up for every day. So when I say thank God, I'm thanking him for waking me up because he has given me another chance to get a better relationship. Because even sometimes we think that we're in good relationship with him and we deceive ourselves. That's all of us. We think we're in right relationship. I'm doing all right. And God knows you're not doing all right. So guess what? He give you another day. That's why every day is a day of grace because you didn't deserve it, but he's given it to you because you need to make sure you're right with him. Now, here's the conclusion of the matter. The scripture says, the Lord said unto Ananias, he told Ananias, he said, Ananias, In verse 13 in Acts chapter 9, the scripture says, Then Ananias answered the Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to the saints at Jerusalem. So when Ananias told, when Jesus told Ananias to go and seek Paul out because it's time, Ananias says, I'm not messing with him. This is a Christian man. A disciple of God says, I'm not going to mess with Paul. I heard about him. He ain't right. Oh, Jesus. How much we like to say people ain't right. And we don't know the half of it. We act like the blood of Jesus was only for us. And that somebody else can't get their life right. The blood of Jesus is only for me. So when I repent, my sins are washed away. But when you do wrong, no, you can't get right. That's how we act. That's what Ananias did. So it's not even something that, you know, it's, it's like us only. This was a man of God that God is speaking to the center. Paul, he said, man, I heard about this dude. Mm-mm. Why didn't he say, okay, Lord, I'm sure he repented. I'm sure his heart has changed. I'm sure he's raised. Why didn't he say that? because that's how we are. Mm, right? The Lord says, no, 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 no. Verse 14 says, and here he had authority from the chief priest, Ananias still speaking, to bind all that call on a name. But the Lord said unto him, shut up, Ananias. He didn't say shut up. He said, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel 
even while he was in his sin, the Lord said he is a chosen vessel. And that's what God sent me by here to tell you today with all that I've said. That you are, Genesis, a chosen vessel. It doesn't matter what nobody else think about you. You are a chosen vessel of God. It doesn't matter what people say about you, but you are a chosen vessel. And when God shed his blood on Calvary, he shed it for you, he shed it for me, and he shed it for the entire world. You are a chosen vessel. We tend to want to put labels on people. And we tend to think we know, but we don't know. God loves every one of us just the same. But you know what's special about God's love? And I laugh about this all the time. Every time I talk to Dr. Jefferson, he makes me laugh about this. And that is God is so good at loving us that he makes you think you're special more than all his children and make me think I'm special more than all his children. So when we end up talking, we almost feel like we're better than each other. We offer, God is so good at loving us, he makes you think you're getting some special stuff that I'm not getting. I'm a child of God. God, look, look what God did in my life. And really, you don't really realize what you're saying is, I'm getting something from God that you're not really getting. That's how good he is. That he can make everybody feel special, but nobody's getting no extra, nobody getting more love than the next person when it comes down to God. But he's just that good about loving. That, that, that's, that, that, that's, that, that's how he makes us feel. Because we are a chosen vessel. He chose you before the foundation of the world. I've preached all about what God is asking and requiring of us to do and how we need to live for him only because you are a chosen vessel. This is why I'm telling you, what about the time you're putting in with the Lord? Because you are a chosen vessel. Why do you need to do a little bit more prayer, a little bit more time for the Lord? Why? Because you are a chosen vessel. The usual meaning of the word vessel is well known. It commonly denotes a cup or basin. So when you're talking about a vessel, olden days, made out of clay, you're talking about a cup or a basin. It's a vessel. What is a vessel supposed to do? If you're a cup or a basin, whatever kind of vessel you are, it means you're created to carry something. It means you're created to do something. So as a vessel of God, what are you doing? As a vessel of God, what are you doing? Because he made you. He told Ananias that Paul is a chosen vessel. And like I told you, Paul was no more loved by Jesus than you are loved by Jesus. So he said he's a chosen vessel. And he has made you a chosen vessel. 
what are you carrying? It's time to say, God, whatever this vessel was created to do, let it do what it's supposed to do. I need to live for you on purpose. I need to be the vessel that you created me to be. God has placed you here because there's no limit in him using you as the vessel that he created you to be. You need to say, God. What is that vessel that I'm supposed to be? What am I holding? What am I carrying? What am I doing? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I doing what I was created to do? I wasn't just created to come to church. I wasn't just created to go to Bible study. I wasn't just created to pray. All those things are just byproduct of what my purpose really is. What was I created for? I'm, what, what kind of vessel am I? I'm a vessel. What am I supposed to be doing as the vessel of God? Prayers, communication. All that I do is in relation to me being the vessel. Ah. Oh, somebody ask God. You're a chosen vessel. You didn't just become any kind of vessel. God made you purposely. You were made on purpose. God made you the kind of vessel you are to help accomplish his purpose. God's purpose in the earth is to save every person that was ever born. Will everyone be saved? No. But you were created specifically the way you are. Specifically the way you are. Specifically the way you are. To help the Lord with his mission. You are a chosen vessel of God. And God wants to use you to accomplish your purpose. If you live the rest of your life without understanding your purpose, you're going to always be seeking. You're going to always be looking. You're going to make so many mistakes. You're going to be like that chaff in the wind that I talked about. You're going to find yourself in places where you never expected and you're wondering, how did I ever get here? Because you never grab a hold of your purpose. That chosen vessel that you are. You can't be anything any different than that vessel. And as you try to look for other things to do, instead of being that vessel, you're going to frustrate yourself. You're going to misrepresent yourself. Because you have been fearfully and wonderfully made by God. You are his chosen vessel and he made you purposely specifically to accomplish a divine purpose.